The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. So this morning I want to tell you a story about three people, David, Candy, and Andrew. Now David is one of my closest friends in the world. David and I went to seminary together, and we still speak several times each week. He's a, he's a priest, of course, in another parish. It's about this size, also in the South. Not too long ago, his office administrator, Candy, looked up to see, and this, by the way, this was a, an early fall day in Tampa, Florida, Candy looked up to see an obviously homeless man standing in front of her at the church office. His name was Andrew. Andrew asked if he could use the hose that he had seen outside in the parking lot to shower off, to clean off. In an amazing act of love, Candy responded, No, I don't think that's a good idea. I've got a better idea. Come with me. And she took him deeper into the administration building and took him to a small janitorial room that had its own hose and a drain. And she said, here, you can clean off in private by yourself here. And then she left him. And while Andrew was cleaning, she went and gathered up some spare clothing that she knew was in the, in the parish. And then she got one of the uh, Walmart gift cards that they keep for outreach purposes. And when Andrew had finished, she gave them to him. Now, all of this time, David is not at the church. He was out running some errands. Shortly after this encounter between Andrew and Candy ended, David got back to the church, got out of his car, and he saw sitting on a bench near the administration building, an obviously homeless man. 
Now, everybody who knows David well will not be surprised at what happened next. Seeing a stranger, a homeless stranger sitting on a bench, David did what he was natural by him. He went, sat next down to this stranger and struck up a conversation. Andrew began to share his life story. Andrew, Andrew told David that he was a drug addict. He was addicted to methamphetamine. Wasn't always addicted to methamphetamine. He originally was addicted to cocaine. But when his life savings ran out, he had to switch to meth. He explained to David that his, his habit, his addiction, was keeping him from being with his two children that he loved desperately. And then in a kind of twisted bit of logic that is frequently seen among addicts, he said, but I don't need help with my addiction. I can handle it. He also shared with David what Candy had done from him, or for him rather, and then David asked a critical question. He looked at it and said, Andrew, what can I, what else can I do for you? Andrew thought for a moment, he said, he said, I have not had an uninterrupted night of sleep in weeks and weeks and weeks. If you could find some place where I could sleep tonight, that would be a great help. And then showing kind of tough love that is typical for my pal David, he said, I'll see what I can do, but any help I give you is going to be conditioned upon you getting some help for your addiction. David got up and was about to leave when Andrew stopped him and said, wait a minute, I need to tell you, you've already done the most important thing you could do. You sat here and you listened to what I had to say. Thank you. And then David went on his way to see what he could do to help Andrew. Now I want to turn from that story and let's look at the story in today's gospel lesson. It's the story of the transfiguration. This is the last week, the last Sunday in Epiphany. And every last Sunday in Epiphany, this is the story we read, the transfiguration. Now as you know, maybe you don't know, Epiphany is, the Epiphany season is like an accordion. It expands and it contracts depending on where Easter falls. It's a little shorter than normal this year because Easter is on March 31. But it doesn't make any difference. The last Sunday we read about the transfiguration. It appears in all three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. This is the year of Mark, so of course we read Mark's description. And it is reserved for this Sunday because the whole season of Epiphany is about stories that reveal the divinity of Christ. In this story, except for the, the resurrection and ascension itself, except for that, this is the story that most exemplifies, most communicates the divinity of Jesus. And so this story is important on that level. But I want to look at the story from a slightly different level this morning. I want to look at it in terms of what it did to the people who were there. Now, I'm setting aside Moses and Elijah. I'm talking about Peter, James, John, and Jesus. Before this, 
Peter, James, and John could be excused if they, if they thought, well, maybe Jesus is a prophet, even a great prophet. Maybe Jesus is a miracle worker. But after this event, they could no longer think that. After this event, they knew unquestionably that this man, Jesus, was the Son of God. And being a participant in this event, being enshrouded in that cloud and experiencing the voice of God, and by the way, I don't think you can just hear the voice of God. I think if you hear the voice of God, you're going to experience it as well. And that experience had to change those three men in an ontological sense, in a, in a very fundamental sense. And for Jesus, being involved in that as well had to have changed him. And he could no longer look at those three men the same because now they are different. And so these four men, Peter, James, John, and Jesus, walked down that mountain different people than when they went up the mountain. Now I set these two stories side by side. David, Candy, Andrew, and the Transfiguration because I think what happened in Tampa, Florida on that Wednesday morning was, in a way, a transfiguration. You see, David and Candy and Andrew were different people at the end of that day than they were when the day dawned. And they were different because of their interactions with one another. Now, they weren't different simply because they had interactions. Let's face it, we all bump into people, have interactions with friends and strangers every day. That doesn't change us. But that day, they saw each other, they listened to each other, and that led to caring more deeply for each other, and that... That changed them. And we need to be careful here. It wasn't just David and Candy who did the listening and changed Andrew. Andrew, by listening to them and caring for them, changed them in a positive way. On that day, three people looked past the stereotypes of homelessness, the stereotypes of the priesthood, the stereotypes of being an office administrator, and had an authentic set of encounters with each other. The way that they interacted with each other that morning, the way that they treated each other that morning, is how God has envisioned, going all the way back to Genesis, how God has envisioned humanity treating each other. And so that morning in Tampa, Florida, the kingdom of God got a little bit, just a tiny bit, closer. And now, as Paul Harvey would say, if he's still alive, and if you don't know who Paul Harvey is, find somebody who's as old as me, and ask him. Paul Harvey would say, now for the rest of the story. I said, David got up to go see if he could find help for Andrew, and he did. He went and made a bunch of phone calls to different agencies, and finally he found 
a place, a, uh, a facility that treats drug addicts. It's a, uh, it's a residential facility, and they had a spot open. Andrew could take that spot and live and be treated at this facility for up to a year with no charge. All he had to do was agree to abide by the rules. We can imagine David's excitement when he went to tell Andrew this good news. And Andrew's response was, no, thank you. You see, Andrew couldn't let go of that twisted bit of logic that somehow he didn't need professional help. Now, that's life. Afraid to say this, but that's life. Our life stories don't always have Hollywood happy endings. And when you're dealing with folks who are addicts, when you're dealing with homelessness, more often than not, it's not a Hollywood happy ending. So what does that say about my comment that the kingdom of God got a little bit closer that day? Doesn't change it at all. Those authentic encounters still happened. Those, those moments of caring and change still happened. On that morning, three people blessed each other. And in doing so, God smiled. So you and I, we, we can learn a lot from David and Candy, and Andrew. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.